Hey everyone, Lauren here. Welcome to the Ink Feather Podcast. Is it your first time here? If it is, let me tell you a little bit about us. Like I said, my name's Lauren and I love reading fantasy and sci-fi books and I have for years and years and years. So I created this podcast where I am interviewing best-selling fantasy and sci-fi authors about the books that we love and asking industry pros about what it's like working behind the scenes with these novels that we love. So yeah, that's kind of an insight into the Ink Feather podcast. Today's episode is the Valentine's episode. It's coming out a couple days before Valentine's Day, but it is the... Second of our two Beauty and the Beast interviews, we did back-to-back stories, retellings of Beauty and the Beast. Last week, we did Bridget Kemmerer, and this week, we have Leif Shellcross, and her book is The Beast's Heart. So basically, it's the classic Beauty and the Beast fairy tale retelling, but it's from the Beast's point of view, and I have to say, it was very, very cool to read. So I really loved the ease in which I slid into the story. It just felt like an old familiar friend because I love Beauty and the Beast. I'm not a obsessive fairy tale person, but I do like a good fairy tale and I enjoy Beauty and the Beast. And so being in his head, watching him fall in love, watching him deal with the curse, watching him struggle internally was really neat to experience um, from someone who does enjoy the story. So I hope that readers check it out if you're a Beauty and the Beast fan. Um, It's a really great and unique retelling of this story that we love. So but yeah, uh, Leif was really cool to sit down with me and talk about the story. Her book came out last year in the UK and in Australia. She's Australian. And then it's coming out this week in America. Um, and it had me thinking about romance. By the way, if you hear funny noises in the background, the parrot is in the next room chewing on a box. <laughs> um, and I am actually not at my normal podcast mic. I am under the weather, so I'm actually laying down talking on my phone. So I apologize if the sound quality isn't quite as good on this intro as it normally would be. But uh, yeah, I wanted to just get this done and get this out to you guys today because, you know, I just thinking about romance and, and how Beauty and the Beast kind of captures that classic romance that that makes this a beloved story that, you know, you don't have to be beautiful on the surface, that someone can love you for who you are inside and that we all deserve love and that we all can find someone who can see us for who we truly are. And I think that's kind of what the message is in this story. And, you know, learning to forgive people, learning to forgive yourself. It just has me thinking about romance and about the beauty of this story. And, you know, I'm not a huge Valentine's person. I am currently single, so I'm indifferent about it. And I'm usually, you know, indifferent when I'm dating someone. It's not like it's this special, okay, now we have to act extra lovey because the calendar tells us to it's you know it's I mean it's a nice day to celebrate but I do love the idea of being romantic being happy being loved for yourself and I think we all do I think we all want that and if you have it awesome I would actually love to hear some some love stories so you know go over to the ink feather ink feather books on Instagram that's the main place I'm active in the book community right now um and I'm gonna have a few posts about this podcast but yeah I would love to hear some love stories from you guys I would love to hear about relationships that have worked have stand the test of time new relationships that you just feel like you found the one um but I want to hear beauty and the beasts vibes I want you know find someone who found you for yourself someone who could see past your flaws or the flaws that you inflict on yourself and and you know, let, let yourself be loved. And I, I just think that would be awesome for us to share that stories with each other. So 
so yeah, go over to Ink Feather Books at on Instagram, and it's also the same on Twitter and in, it's Ink Feather Books on Facebook as well. But yeah, share those stories, and we can kind of read each other's love stories and get a good feel. All right, so Beauty and the Beast fans, retelling fans, you definitely need to check this book out, and I think you'll really enjoy the interview because she gives us a little bit of insight into why she wrote this story and why she decided to tell the Beast's tale. So, all right, on to the interview. Hi, Leif. Welcome to the Ink Feather Podcast. Hi, Lauren. I'm so excited to have you on. We're going to have this on as our Valentine's episode. I think this book fits perfectly because it is the Beast's heart. It's a kind of retelling of Beauty and the Beast from the point of view of the Beast. And we get deep into his brain. But uh, before we get into that, I just I'm curious, like, are you a romantic at heart? Is that something that you connected with that made you kind of want to write the story? Yeah, yes. Yes, I am. I am. Um, (laughs) One of the things that I love about Beauty and the Beast is that uh, there's a lot of fairy tales where you get a lot of kind of insta-love happening, Mm. whereas Beauty and the Beast spend quite a lot of time together before Beauty realises she's fallen in love with him. So, Mm. and I I really like the way this, well, I guess I like the way in my mind how the relationship grows over time. The slow burn. Mm. Do Mm. you think that that's why people connect so deeply with the story i mean this is like i posted the other day about a about retellings or like what are people's favorite retellings and beauty and the beast was the number one response and so people just really connect with this story as a as a i don't know what why do you think that is yeah i think that's a big part of it it's certainly a big part of it for me um always has been um and i sort of i mean my relationship with the story very much sort of predates the the Disney movie that came out while I was at at uni I think so um so I think the Disney movie has a lot to do with it though because I agree you know they've they've created this fantastic heroine you know who is smart and and you know and oh she's a book nerd I mean what's not to love (laughs) um and and she's really sort of kind and but keen on sort of controlling her destiny. So I think I think the Disney movies had a huge amount to do with it. Um, but I think I think they had really great material there to work with in the first place. I think um and, and I think the the traditional sort of version of Beauty and the Beast, which is probably the version that I've drawn on more than anything else, is sort of really came alive in in France in the 18th century, and it was to do with, um, you know, young women's sort of fears and aspirations about about getting married, which mm. was not necessarily something they had a lot of control of. So, yeah. um, so it sort of ties up a lot of anxieties, and, and then gives you this happy ending, which you know, everybody loves a happy ending. So it's a fairy tale of every- the times, basically. Yeah, very relevant yes. of what was important to young women who would have read this story. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, I've never read the original, um, and I, I was in the era of the. I'm I'm a, I'm younger than you. Doesn't sound like I'm much younger than you. I was in high school when I um, watched, but it was like Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, and The Lion King all yeah. came out like back to back. Yes, and yes. I was The Lion yeah. King was my one that I connected yep. with of those three. Um, but yep. I liked them all. I mean, those are still probably my three top. Well, I don't know. It's yeah, hard to right. say because there's so many good ones out there now. But um, yeah, it's it's just such a beloved story, and, and you're right. I'm sure that's a big part of it. And but mm. just 
taking it and and flipping it on its head in a way and making it a story and giving us insight into a character that we don't get a ton of insight into. I mean, I guess in the movie, and again, I haven't read the book, so I don't know the original story, so I don't know if if this is true in that, but do we get insight into the Beast's mind in the original story? Because we kind of do in the movie a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, there is an original version that is very long, which... I haven't read, but the early fairy tale ones that I've read, he's sort of, he's more, he's, he doesn't, he almost doesn't have a character. He's, he's very beast-like, you know, mm. he can, he, he can sort of barely speak. So, um, I think, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a good assessment. Um, I would agree. <laughs> yeah. But I guess the thing, the thing that always, one of the things that made me pick this one to sort of write my way into. Mm. Uh, when I started this, I really had no thought of getting published. It was just oh, really? me kind of wanting to lose myself in a fairy tale and, and just indulge myself completely. <laughs> um, but one of the things that made me want to write his story was this idea that um, you've got this character who's who's done something so awful that um, – this fairy has decided to, to curse him and, mm-hmm. and sort of isolate him from humanity for, you know, it might be 20 years, it might be 100 years, it varies, but a long time. Mm-hmm. And and the, the sort of the idea that this, this character um, who's done this terrible thing can still be sort of rehabilitated into the romantic hero of the piece, like that's always intrigued me. So um, and I have actually kind of... It's a story that I've toyed with a few times. I've written a few sort of short story variations of it as well, and mm. none of which have I've sort of got to a state of getting them published anywhere. But um, but and so I've I've tried I've tried a few different versions of you know what he did to to get cursed and and how that sort of how he sort of ultimately comes out of 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 the curse at the end. Mm-hmm. So, but it's, it's something I find quite intriguing. Well, and it's just the idea of, um, I mean, this is the first example that popped into my head, which is so relevant, but completely ridiculous, a shallow howl. It's like who you are on the inside becomes who you are on the outside. And it's, you know, that have you seen that movie with, I think it was, is it Jack Black? Uh, look, I confess I haven't, but I know the one you mean. And yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah. He falls for Gwyneth Paltrow, who... By society standards, she's like extremely obese and shy and which, again, doesn't mean someone's unlovable, which just that's in his mind made them not worth his time. And it's it's a good. But again, it's that concept of because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm sure there's days I feel like the beast where I'm like, well, I'm glad people can't see what I'm thinking because I would be a jerk right now. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I can see. I mean, and also that's such a nice way to think about, you know, when days when you're not feeling fully yep. good about yourself to be like, well, yeah. I, I have something inside to give to the world that is beautiful. And and he he really kind of carries that anxiety around with him, this this idea that he's kind of been ripped open and, and exposed to the world and 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 that's that's the face that he has to mm-hmm. has to give the world, you Gosh. know, for, for most of the story, um, is his his worst face. And um yes. Uh, I won't say any more at this point. But. <laughs> no, it's just it just got me thinking like because you're right. Most people don't live in their worst place all the time. So yeah. imagine you in your worst place and then 
that having physical manifestations of and you become that being like oh god that exactly. would be that would be horrible <laughs> i would be yeah. i the fact that he even wants to talk to a person but i guess after 100 years you get you would get lonely and bored yep. i'm sure yeah um yes. and it's interesting too so kind of early on in the story we i, I think i made note it was the, the american edition that i have and this is the american advanced copy yep. is about 400 pages yep. and yep. i think it was around 50 pages in is when isabeau comes uh, or he yep. makes the threat of needing the her dad to leave and bring her back because yep. he sees her yep. in his dream. And yep. I was kind of, you know, in the movement of Me Too and women's rights, I was astounded by the arrogance of his decision and just like, but he at least recognizes how ridiculously selfish his decision was. But I was just yes. like, man, like seeing it in a new light, it's like, this is, like I want to see her. I'm lonely. I want to talk to this girl. Now I get it. He feels like this connection with her, but at least he sees an insight. He has some sensitivity to the fact that this is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. That was that was actually a really hard part of the story to write, um, because I think it's it's a very unusual person who would come to that part of the story these days and not see just how awful his actions were yeah so you did your respect. job well I definitely read it was like whoa dude like not cool yeah and and I didn't I I didn't uh, it, yeah it was really hard to write I because I didn't want to kind of shy away from just how as you say arrogant and and reprehensible um that you know his actions are at that point but I I guess without excusing it I wanted to try and make it a little bit to, to try and help the reader understand you know what had sort of brought him to that mm -hmm. point um and and I guess and and I guess he you know he's he's somebody who he has a you know he has a character arc so he starts in a bad place mm -hmm. and and he improves and and you know, I mean, you'd certainly hope so because the story has a happy ending. <laughs> um, uh, but um, it was, yeah, it was really, and at, like at one point, I actually, so at one point, I actually completely rewrote the scene to completely remove that decision from the story and kind of make it almost an accident that she turned up and, and sent that to my editor and said, I want to change it, I want to change it. My editor had to sort of very gently sit me down and <laughs> talk me off the edge and go, no, no, we think this is important. So, and it is, um, it's like, I mean, it's yeah. definitely something, you know. <sighs> For as awful as it is, and I would hope mm. in this day and age, well, but I can't even say this day and age because there's atrocities happening mm. everywhere. But mm. I, in my own life as a, and I'm a, you know, first world white woman, I'm yep. an American, you're an Australian, we're, yep. you, know, you yep. know, I still make selfish decisions, you know, and yeah. I regret them, but yeah. I still make them or I still weigh the consequences and make the bad choice. I mean, I'm not, I'm can't yep. think of anything off the top of my no, head right no now. No one's but perfect. Yeah, we, uh, we've all encountered that moment of, where we feel ashamed of ourselves for something we've done, yep. whatever that is. Yep. So it was yep. <laughs> relatable, even though it was an extreme, you know, but I also was seriously made, I was like, dang, his, the, the arrogance, he's like, yeah, I'm going to do it anyways. I was just like, it, it astounded mm -hmm. me to, I guess, to see it in this light, because readers, for those of you ha who haven't read this yet, um, you know, it is a hundred percent in his head. It is 
We are in mm. his brain. We are in his emotions. It is, and I want to talk about this in a minute because, man, we are. There's so much internal dialogue in this book, and you are just the depths of his soul and his his reasoning and his understanding. And so, to kind of see this decision not externally, like you said, as a movie viewer or someone reading that tale, going, yep. "Oh, he's lonely. He wants a friend," but his internal yep. struggle. It was. Yep. It was interesting seeing it from a new light because it 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 showed how atrocious it was, and it also gave yeah. me more empathy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. You. <laughs> You're like my job is done. <laughs> um, kind of talking about the writing because you touched on the, how the scene was difficult. The lyrical yeah. writing in this book, you wrote it very, very old fashioned, lyrical, beautiful. Uh, I don't know, almost like tangible writing. I, I find myself oh, lost you. in the words beautifully done and was that is that just your writing style is that just you're like i'm in the beast's head or it's like a period piece so it kind of feels because the whole book it's got this kind of magic to the words oh thank you that's such a lovely thing to say um (laughs) i i guess i it was a, a a bit of a deliberate stylistic decision he's he's um I guess I was trying to kind of capture that sort of that old world yes. sort of sort of feel. So I, you know, I certainly drew on um, on the sorts of language that you see used in sort of um, you know early nineteenth century novels and you know, Jane Austen and that sort of thing. I suppose. Um, yes. Um, but but also. Um, um, I'm I'm such a word nerd. I really, you know, and if I sort of think about, um, you know, my favourite authors, like um, like Tanith Lee jumps to mind, and her her style, while very different from this, I think, is is still so very sort of, um, you know, lush, and and she mm. has these beautiful sort of evocative descriptions in in her work, and and um, I really love that sort of, you know picture painting with words so that's a very good description it was very lush yes i mean from the first chapter because the first chapter um we're kind of we're in his brain and he's still a beast and he's finding his way back and remembering things and but yet it's very like you said lyrically and lushly told and i i made note of that very early on i mean like i said the first chapter i was like wow this is so much more I don't know what the word I'm like, ornate, but it but it didn't feel like yeah. heavy. It was just beautifully written. Yeah, I and oh, I enjoyed that as his voice because I think that that added some. It's almost like part of the character, like you said, the way he yeah. thinks and yeah. part of his breeding, perhaps, because he was a, you know, a lord, a lordling. Yep. <laughs> you yep. know, before yep. he had this happen yes. to him. Kind of in the same vein too you are able to play in this world and there's so much more detail. The world is so much more lush because again, we're in his head. We're in his life experiences. We're not just getting an overview. Talk to us about writing in that detailed way, like going, Oh, I get to flush out the invisible helpers or the, or yeah. his, actually the gardens are what made me think of this. Yeah. Um, and his, yes. and the animals and, and that kind of experience with nature. But that must have been so much fun to kind of go to be able to play in this world that you yeah. connected with. Yeah. 
Oh, look, and and as I, as I said sort of earlier, I mean, I when I started writing this, it was it really was just because I'm a complete you know fairy tale tragic, and and it was a way of <laughs> me just being able to kind of. Um, build up a fairy tale world that I could then just sort of go and spend time in. So um, it like uh, for me, I really love um, my, if I think about my favorite books, they're all books where sort of the world itself is, is as much of a character as any of the people in the story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, great examples of things like you know Hogwarts in in Harry Potter mm-hmm. you know that Hogwarts is is this kind of tangible force it's this this whole character in the story um and and i think it, it the, when i was writing the beast's heart his his chateau really came alive in the, in that way for me and i i guess i've tried to kind of put that on the page i want it to have the feeling of um a place that that people kind of could sort of explore in their imagination, sort of beyond what what you see on the page, mm. have have that feeling that there's there's there are other corners to kind of go around and and other, you know, rooms or or bits of garden to explore. Well, and you and you balance that well. Like you have a scene, and this is one of the first things he's no he thinks about with with Isabeau, and he has like this dream state of seeing her with like a handful of roses of every color. And I remember being like, every color, are there blue ones? Are, are there green ones? Like what does, what does That's that, a good question. what does oh. that mean? Every color that exists I, I think or like every color? mostly sort of pink and yellow and red and white. And, yeah. But um, okay. But so like, could be. but again, it's it, magic. That's what so, I mean. You kind of answered your own question there because I was, like you said, it's around the corner. It expands beyond it. It did. I went, huh, I wonder if there's blue roses in that rose garden. And that yeah. popped in because blue is my favorite color, like sea foamy turquoises. I was like, I would yeah. totally dig a turquoise rose. That would be awesome. It um, would. And it so would. it's such a great idea of of that. And I, I can see how, again, you I love that you wrote like Beauty and the Beast fanfic and just free yourself of like, I need to play in this world. What's the beast thinking? I'm going to go do it. I love it so much because. No, that is absolutely where it started. <laughs> it's That's a passion project. Yep. <laughs> That's amazing. I guess I want to go back to what I said a minute ago. The internal dialogue was crazy. Like we were in his head and so much of it is in there. How, how were you, I guess I was thinking about myself and I think of what I think on and I I wrote like, how did you keep it fresh and not repeating the same badgering that I know I do to myself the same, like (laughs) got to get your shit together or whatever it is, you know, like that I internally tell myself because we're very heavy and it's very complicated on being in his thoughts, but there is an evolution and maybe that's part of the evolution of the story. But I guess talk about writing so much internal dialogue. Yeah. Look, um, well, first of all, that's what um that's what early drafts are for. So <laughs> I think um I think if you were to go back and look at some of my early drafts, you'd just be like, oh, shut up already. Um, <laughs> okay. Good. So editing um, helps, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> so I think I think um uh certainly I'm certainly conscious of um there being a real kind of process of of almost kind of there are certain parts of it anyway of writing those as kind of sort of stream of consciousness stuff and then and then having to sort of sit down and really sort of pare that back and and turn it into something that is actually readable 
readable and not like you know wading through you know waste time mud sort mm-hmm. of sort of thing so um so I think I think it was in terms of writing it it was a case of just kind of getting it all down and then and then sort of you know getting getting rid of the the bits that were too repetitive and and too sort of sort of weighed down um I think to part of it as well as just being getting to a point where um, I just had to be really clear about, as you say, that sort of evolution in his thinking, yeah. like being really clear about, okay, so he was thinking that way and now he's thinking this way and how do I how do I make that really crystal clear and, and, and sort of get rid of the fluff around around that so the, the the thought that I want him to have is there on the page and is yeah. is crystal clear well and I just think because we're in his head I mean we yeah. all when we all have those aha moments those revelations or we start to see things differently obviously that's all internal in our own heads so yeah reading yes. that and having him like meander into a huh moment um and and see that kind of happening uh was really cool but i was just as as i was reading it i was like man like this must have been i guess not a challenge but it you know obviously like you said you kind of got it out and then had to wade through and pick out the parts that made the most sense because i mean oh my god our brains are crazy and i can't even imagine i mean his brain would be dark and sad and complicated for sure yes (laughs) yes so this story has been out. You you actually published in the UK and in Australia already? Yep. Yes. So it's yes. new to America this yes. week then. Okay. Yes. So what have readers, what have they taken away? What are some things that people have said to you about the book? Like what are things that people have enjoyed or what were things that surprised you that maybe you weren't expecting that people experienced? Yeah. Anything? Um, so th- there's a couple of things. Um, in terms of... Um, differences or, or things that people were not necessarily expecting. Um, I get there's there's two things that people comment on most, um, and one of them is there's no Gaston. So comparing it to again comparing it to the Disney movie, which mm. is probably the version of the story that most people are familiar with. There's mm-hmm. no there's no kind of Gaston or even Gaston equivalent. There's mm-hmm. sort of no Man. there's no real there's no real villain um, in my story. The beast is sort of his own worst I was enemy. Just to say he's his own and, villain, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fairy is a bit of an antagonist, but she's not specifically villainous. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I would agree with that. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's one thing that people have sort of commented on, and I think sometimes maybe been a bit confused about because a lot of stories do set up that very kind of um, sort of binary. Um, sort of situation where you have you have the 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 good dude and the bad dude and mm-hmm. they're in conflict and it's it's sort of he's 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 mostly in conflict with himself really yeah um, absolutely so that's the first thing the second thing that um people and it's it's funny people have either hated it or they really loved it um and in my story um my beauty isabeau she has two sisters and they get their own storylines um and have their own kind of, you know, things. They've got their lives going on and things that happen to them. And um, and most people have really enjoyed their story, the, yeah. the Beauty Sisters. So, I agree um, with that. And it's actually been really nice because, you know, it's 
mostly told through the beast seeing them through this magical yep. mirror and experiencing her family yep. and getting to see these people and as a fly on the wall and and but as the yeah. reader it was cool to see him learn more about her family and then I was like oh her sisters are interesting and this is interesting yes yes and it's um and I, I was chatting about it with one of my very early readers and she sort of said she saw it uh, to be completely honest when I started when I sort of started including their stories in it it was because I um it was it was actually really difficult to have this story about these two people kind of locked away in a castle by themselves and have only them and and keep it fresh and keep mm. it interesting. Yeah, um, I could see that getting and, tedious. Yeah, so I had sort of included the the stories of her sisters to sort of I guess broaden it out a bit and give it give it a bit more um, a bit more breadth and a, and a bit more interest. Um, but uh, this friend of mine said she found it was. Um, a really a really important part of his sort of rehabilitation almost in terms of through his sisters um he learns about about family relationships and about interacting with other people and he gets he that's and that's a really important sort of learning experience mm. for him in in terms of um sort of coming back into that human world and mm. learning how to interact with humans and and um so so i think i think that's that's um, wasn't sort of in my head when I was writing it, but sort of looking back on it, I think that's a really important part of, hmm. of theirs. Well, I mean, and like you said, if it wasn't conscious, it was conscious to bring them in because you didn't want the story to stagnate, which means yeah. that it would have created more for him to work with because obviously he's watching yeah. them. So by default, it would have happened. But it's I guess it's cool that it it evolved in such a way that you're saying readers were able to connect with it and you're seeing it now going, oh, this is a whole yeah. other level. Yeah, that's that's fun. I actually... I don't mind that there's no Gaston character, that there's no evil villain guy. You're right. I mean, he's such a tortured soul and we're in his head. I mean, yeah. um, it's kind of an interesting just evolution of him yeah. coming to grips with his previous choices that got him there. Because he has a moment yep. about halfway through the book where he kind of has this voice who is like his grandmother in his brain going, okay, well, yep. why did you get changed in the first place? What was wrong with yep. you before? Like, what were you yep. doing you need to think about that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. because Think it's... about what you've done. <laughs> yeah, why are you a big hairy monster? What did you do? Because yeah. you can't change it until you know why you've, why you've gotten this place. Yeah. And it almost was like, he was almost like, huh, I never really thought about it. Like, I mean, granted, a lot of his time he had been mindless running around as a beast. But when he finally, like yeah. you said, became more civilized or human yeah. again, he had never reflected on that. And he's quite, yeah, and he's quite kind of self-indulgent. So he does sort of... At the beginning, he does sort of start off, a, you know, very kind of, you know, woe is me. And, and he has to learn to sort of step out of that a bit and, and <laughs> yeah, think about how his actions impact other people. So, yeah. Uh, what was your favorite thing to write in the book? Do you have a uh, part that you just were like, oh, that was so much fun? I Look, I, I really like all the really romantic bits because yeah. yeah. I'm – well, we, we already – that was the first question I asked you. Are you romantic at heart? So maybe I shouldn't have yeah. even bothered with this question. Yeah. That makes there, sense. Look, there's some scenes. I think some of my favourite scenes are um, – so so dreams kind of figure quite strongly yes. in the story. Um, and there's a couple of scenes where, for whatever reason, um, Isabeau has bad dreams and um, sort of – 
wakes up and, and wants him in the middle of the night to talk to. And, and so they have these kind of, you know, midnight sort of tryst almost sort of meetings where um, – and, and, you know, nothing nothing specifically romantic happens, but they're quite they're, – they're quite sort of romantic scenes in that those are moments where they – they really kind of connect. So, and there's some an of intimacy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I would, I can see that how you would say, it. yeah, I mean, because you have to, like you said, like the slow burn, because it's, it's not mm. an insta love, but, but yes. seeing that evolve and again, seeing it from the point of view, because we see if you're a fan of the movie, it's all mostly from Belle's point of view. I mean, we do get glimpses yep. of the beast by himself talking to all the characters or whatever, but yeah, you know, seeing it evolve from his point of view, being like, I am completely and utterly unlovable and I am going to, you know, and then and how he changes and how he lets himself care yep. about this person. And yes, it, it was really cool to read. It was it was kind of like a a treat. It felt like a dessert book. Like I was <sighs> like enjoying it. I don't know, because it was so lyrical to read and it's already a story that I'm familiar with. So I know kind yep. of how it ends. Yep. But like seeing it told in a new way that it was like, oh, it was and it was but again, more depth because we were in his brain. So I yep. it was it is a pleasure to read this book. I have been very <laughs> much enjoying it. Yeah. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. Um, yeah. So, OK, well, that I guess. OK, so we're circling back to the romance, <laughs> yep. which is I mean, it's is our Valentine's episode. So technically, yes. I guess that's a good thing. Um what are you working on now? Are you writing another book or? Yes, uh, I'm working on a couple of things at the moment. Um, so the one that I am, I've actually just taken a couple of months off my day job. So, um, oh, great. Um, which is lovely. I've only been on leave for a week, but I it, <laughs> it's um, with the intention of uh, really kind of getting some work done on this manuscript I'm working on at the moment. Have so, you been good this week? I've 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 been mostly good. Okay. I think it I takes think a minute writers... to get into that shift too. You yes. know. Yeah. Yeah. I like next week is my okay, and now we have to get down to brass tacks and actually establish a proper writing routine. <laughs> and, um. So I think writers probably as a whole never never feel like they've put in quite as much effort as they probably should. But mm -hmm. um. Anyway, it's um, not but, just writers. So... <laughs> Um, this one, so this one, it's, it's not so much a retelling in the way that the Beast's Heart is a retelling of Beauty and the Beast, but it's more a kind of a reimagining of Cinderella. Okay. So it's based on the Cinderella fairy tale, but in, um, in my story, she's actually faked her father's death to try and get him out of the disastrous marriage with her stepmother. And, um, oh. and then she discovers she, she's sort of discovers the stepmother is sort of caught up in a nefarious sort of conspiracy to overthrow the throne and and it's sort of dang you know there's shenanigans so <laughs> that so, sounds great um, because that, leaving that door open means there's a lot that could happen if he's yeah. actually still alive yes yes and um and it and i guess um it's very much a case of uh Oh, look, I wouldn't say she's completely in control of her situation because it, it gets it, it gets complicated very quickly and mm. she wasn't expecting that. But um, she's actually sort of engineered her situation and she's, you know, somebody who's quite quite capable and quite um, resourceful. So um, that's that's been a lot of fun. So that's the yeah. one I'm working 
the moment. Um, and then I have another project which I have done quite a bit of work on, but I've I've just put to the side for the moment, which is um, which is the beginning of a series um, that is set in London in the 18th century, and it's you know it's got lots of sort of um, you know runaway heiresses and dissolute <laughs> viscounts and magic and murder and and <laughs> more shenanigans. So <laughs> that sounds great. Awesome. Well, hopefully your writing goes well in these in this time off and you're productive and um yeah, I can relate. I'm a business owner. I work from home. So some days I I'm never change. Some days I yep. you know, they say yep. like you don't put pants on. It's like, yeah, but I'm productive, so I don't need to wear pants, know. you know, or whatever. I know. Yep. Um, yes. You know, because I know you yes. text, you messaged me this morning. You're like, oh, it's a lot of video. I can stay in my pajamas. I'm like, you stay in your pajamas. Stay in them all day. And just as long as you get your work done, you know. Um, it's really funny. So before we go, I always like to ask my authors, what have they read lately? Anything good that you've dug into that you've enjoyed that you would want to share with our listeners? Ah, yeah. So, um, all right. I'm going to give a couple of Australian authors a plug here. Um uh, just last week, I think it was, I read um, a book called Lie Smith by um, an Australian author, Alice Franklin. So this is kind of um, uh, old Norse gods sort of living in the modern age okay. and um, sort of uh, setting up like, you know, global technology companies and influencing the human race through through tech and, you know, um, settling old scores and, and inflaming, you know, ancient, you know, romances and <laughs> um, and it, it was just the best fun. Um, if you want to see Loki as a, a giant, you know, feathered dinosaur dragon thing, that was that's a good one. So Lyle Smith was fantastic. That sounds great. I really enjoyed. It. Um, and oh, I also just recently been reading the. Um, for for like a fairy tale recommendation, I've just been um, recently reading Catherine Arden's series that started with the Girl in the Tower. No, the Bear and the Nightingale. Yes, the the they're so good. Eastern they're European, so good. like Russian yes. vibes. Oh, yes. beautifully yeah, so written. Good. I recommend yeah. those as well. So yeah, and more slow burn romance. Yeah, so, and yeah. and lyrical writing. So mm, yeah, so beautiful. I, and the third book, the last book in that trilogy, just came out like a month ago. It did. So yes. if you haven't started it, now is a great time. You can dive right in. So yes, that's yes. Awesome. I haven't started it yet, but I think that's because I'm not quite ready for that series to end. <laughs> but but it is on my TV. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those. You want to know what happens, but then, oh, no. But then, you know, I don't know if you're a rereader. I actually love rereading books, and I have a yeah, few yeah. series I yeah, will yeah. reread. And it shifts over the years, but sometimes I'm like, I don't want to read. I don't want to meet new people. I'm being antisocial. Yeah. I'm going to visit my old yeah. friends. And yes, and those exactly. are the kind of series that you can just get lost in and remember yes. the story. So at least you can always revisit that world. Yes. I'm I'm definitely a rereader. And, um, and uh yeah, I'm the whole the whole um <laughs> all the furor that's been happening recently with Marie Kondo's, you know, whittle it down to thirty books. I was like, I can't. <laughs> yeah, but did you see all the upheaval about that? People were like Yeah because it's like yeah. that's not what she means, everybody. Because... No, it's not what she means. And I guarantee you, like I cannot whittle it down to thirty books, but those five hundred and seventy five books that I will keep on my precious. shelf every single one of those sparks joy. So Well and I'll tell you, I read an article or I read a it was a I can't remember it was a librarian and it was a Twitter feed 
um, not long after the show premiered on January 1st. And it was a whole like the pre the idea of it is, you know, what if there's a book on your shelf that you're thinking you're going to get around to that will spark joy in somebody else and you're depriving that person of this book. And I, I mean, that actually I struck home. I was like, Oh yeah. yeah, that's a, that's a, that's rough. Like I could be yeah. denying someone their favorite read. Oh my gosh. You know? <laughs> and you know, one of the things I do, I, I actually have, I have a book room. I have six bookshelves. I used to work. Do, did you guys have Borders bookstores in Australia? Yes. Yes. For so a while. Yeah. I was a Borders employee. And when they closed, I got six of their bookshelves. So they're like eight feet tall and they have seven shelves on each one. They're beautiful. And, yep. um, but I'm like, okay, if I can't keep my books contained to these shelves and I, I, I really have a problem. So I do have to yep. purge. Yep. But yeah. what I've found works for me psychologically is I add it to my Goodreads to want yeah. to read if I'm purging yes. it because I'm like, well, then I know at least it wasn't I existed in my life and I don't forget yes. that I had it and I can always revisit it. I can do it on ebook or audio or whatever. Um, yes. But if I've had it here for five years and I'm I'm like not even interested, why is it on my shelf? Kind of thing. Yeah. So like you said, spark joy and and I'm I'm yep. with you. Those those 500 plus books definitely are ones that spark <laughs> joy and are worth a reread sometimes. So yes, awesome. Well, thanks, Leaf. Thanks for chatting with me. That's okay. That was so much fun. Thank yeah. you for having me. This was great. And guys, you have to check this out. If you're a Beauty and the Beast fan, it really is a lovely book to read. It's really cool getting inside the Beast's head. And it's the perfect read for this Valentine's week. You know, it's kind of got a slow burn romance. And it's a story we love, but kind of just told in a different perspective. And it's it's really fun. So you definitely should pick it up. So, And we'll be back next week. I have a few other authors on the docket. I'm kind of mixing it up. We're seeing who can talk when, basically. <laughs> so, But I will be back next Monday with another episode. And so tune in then. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.